This is the Master of Cinema Cast. My name is Joachim. And my name's Tom. And today we will be talking about Shinoda's Silence with Hunter Dusing. Thank you so much for joining us, Hunter. Hey guys, great to be back. Great. Um, how have you been doing? How have you been doing with the, with the podcast and all? Uh, it's going really well. We're kind of in the holiday slow season right now. We mm-hmm. always kind of slow down in the summer and in the uh, winter, but it's all going great. Um, uh, I just did a commentary track for a movie with uh, the director and actors uh, for an independent movie, so that was fun. Mm. Um, and uh, for it was a, it's a movie called Dangerous People. It's independent, but uh, that was exciting. So <clears throat> you know we're doing other new things, and it's it's growing very slowly. I mean, it's we've been doing it for a long time. I mean, all of us have really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going great. Great. Midnight Movie Cowboys has been going for what is it now? Six years? Five years? So th- more than that. Uh, I think we started in 2010, so okay. this will be our eighth year. Wow. Right. Um, but today we are talking about uh, Shinoda's Silence, of course. Um, I have to admit, I first watched the Scorsese version of Silence, uh, which I think may have affected my. Um, my experience with Shinoda's version, but uh, Hunter, what about yourself? Uh, tell me about your experience with the silence. I saw Shinoda's version first. Um, I saw the Masters of Cinema DVD. It's a movie I've wanted to see. I had wanted to see for years, and uh, when I think you guys kind of got me into Masters of Cinema releases, I picked it up because I had always heard. I first heard about it because it's one of those pet projects Scorsese had had for years and years and years mm. and people were always talking about that he wanted to um do an adaptation of shushaku endo's novel silence which was about um jesuit priests in uh in the 17th century uh japan and uh i thought it sounded interesting and uh i think when i converted to catholicism that made the story more interesting to me um because uh, it it sounded like a a tough story. Hmm. And um, I've read parts of the novel. I can admit I haven't read the whole thing. But um, uh, Indo actually co-wrote the script for this film, for uh, uh, Shinoda's version of the movie. Hmm. Um, but I first saw it uh, on DVD. I think I reached out to you when I got it. I was like, oh, you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. If you guys ever want to do this, uh, I'm game to record with you. Um but and of of course I saw the Scorsese one in the theater uh, when it came out. I was very keen to see it, hmm. um, just because yeah. I mean, I first heard of it because of Scorsese. So yeah. Tom, what about you? Um, yeah, I actually first heard about it. It was I've, I've actually owned it for quite some time and never got round to watching it. And then Hunter, I think you emailed me and said, "Oh, have you seen this yet?" And I was like, "No." And at the time, it was one of those ones where I, was, I hadn't quite. I think I just moved house or something like that and hadn't unpacked everything. So I, I, it kind of like fell by the wayside. I didn't have every intention of watching it, of course. And then I watched the, the Scorsese version. Um, it was, I think it was the first film I saw this year at the cinema. Hmm. And um, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. Um, I think it's still, I can't um, get on board with, what's his name, the actor? Um, Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. I, I, he just, I, I just cannot take him as 
a lead <laughs> actor. And I, I discovered that when, as I was watching the film, every time he was on it, it kind of took me out of it a little bit, to be brutally honest with you. And hmm. I, I managed to cause a, a fury on Twitter because I tweeted out, I watched this in the Hacksaw Ridge, I think, and I, I managed to put out, I said, nope, still doesn't, Andrew Garfield still can't carry a film. And I managed to infuriate the Andrew Garfield Appreciation Society on Twitter. And I have <laughs> never come across such vitriol in my entire life. I mean... These are people who think he's the greatest Spider-Man. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and <laughs> did I know anything about film? Did, did, did you think the Oscars don't know anything about film? I'm like, um, well, possibly. And I just I just <laughs> began to get... And it went on and on and on. And it got... it was It's my first real introduction to Twitter hate. And it was quite a shock to the system, you know, because it's, it's amazing how it goes from you're wrong to you're a wanker to you're a... F- and, and to you should kill yourself. Oh, and you're a fascist, you know stuff. nothing. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> calm down. So so wait, fascism means hating Andrew Garfield. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, got, it managed <laughs> to get twisted into some sort of casual racism. Thing, and I'm just like, what? Yeah, what? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. So I just sort of backed away from it and then... I went back and I watched the Masters of Cinema version and I think kind of free of Garfield, this original one, I took a lot more from it. But annoyingly, Mm. between the two of them, I think there's elements of both which I like. Some some bits of the Scorsese one I like more than this one. But overall, I think I I, I definitely enjoyed this one a lot more. And it's 40 minutes longer, uh, shorter, sorry. That helped. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Because by God, that Scorsese one, that theatre was just... I don't know, it was too hot or something like that. And I could just feel my eyes sort of like, oh God, you know, it's- it, it was, I remember feeling its length, not necessarily in a, I'm bored way, but just in a, I was like, oh, you know, usually, you know, sometimes you watch a really long movie and you're enjoying it and you yeah. don't notice, but I was like, oh man, this movie is pretty long, but, um, hmm. more, I think it's just cause most of the movie is people like, being tortured yeah, and it, yeah exactly it's not a pleasant viewing <laughs> yeah. experience is it i mean exactly the scorsese one obviously i think he sort of uh, he, he ups the violence factor i did oh, I, I was waiting for joe pesci to come out like i do in all um scorsese <laughs> films and well, starts when and i always uh, wait for the 12 leg leg breaking disciples to come yep. out from uh the last temptation hey peter uh, what you doing over there? I mean, yeah, you have to go and listen to that episode on 24 Frames Cast when it's the yeah. only time I think I've ever talked about The Last Temptation of Christ and managed to also talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando at the same time because there are similarities, <laughs> yeah. visual similarities between those two films. And, uh, you know, it's a fantastic comedy as well. So, you know, it's in the right place. <laughs> well, uh, Silence um, is based on the novel, as you mentioned, from 1966 by Shusaku Endo. Um, and I think there was greatly uh, influenced by some of his own experiences, um, where he ha- he was a devout Catholic himself, and uh, he experienced um, quite a difficult time with his faith in Japan, as well as racism when he moved abroad to Paris, and also... Uh, bouts with illness uh, so I think most of that came to inform how he uh, went about uh, writing this book um, and the story as we've mentioned is about these two priests who traveled to Japan uh, a Japan at that time which was quite divided and I think they were in the movements of trying to unify Japan and Christianity was then viewed as something that 
was possibly a tool for um, dividing uh, its people rather than joining them, uh, which is uh, some of the reason why uh, it was banned, Christianity. Um, they came come to look for this uh, Father Ferreira, um, which they, they've heard reports uh, he has... Uh, uh, renounced his uh, religion. Um, but I remember coming to this, I, I found myself, it was difficult to detach myself from like my own beliefs and prejudices. Uh, my, uh, I'm an atheist. Uh, I don't believe in any Christianity, but in the end I, I did, in the Scorsese version, I found myself connecting to the human struggle uh, with faith and also with um, repression and all these things that are going on in a psychological and sociological uh, area. But I think the thing that I wanted most out of Shinoda was perhaps a more personal story, but I think he attempts something different. Uh, did any of you guys pick up that? Because I feel like Shinoda his, is more of an intellectual approach to the story. I, I think Scorsese's film is more, quote-unquote, personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Scorsese's sort of, uh, you know, connects with the story because of his own struggle with Catholicism. Um, and uh, if, I mean, cause he comes from a Catholic background, but I mean, if you watch his movies, you can tell he is not a strong Catholic at all, but mm. I mean, it's obviously a part of his identity. Um, <clears throat> but I think you're right. Shinoda's film is more intellectual. It's much more Japanese, yeah. uh, <laughs> obviously. <Yeah. coughs> But uh, it it's it's a little more cold and distant, but it I think it's still a a harrowing watch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think some of the the scenes of of uh, torture kind of there's a scene where a, a Japanese Christian is buried up to his neck, and then a man rides a horse back and forth over him, and you keep waiting for his head to just pop under the horse's hoof. Mm. And uh, you don't see anything. I mean, it's not a violent scene, but it, it, I, I remember it took my breath away the first time I saw it and the horror of his wife watching him and hmm. uh, as this goes on. I remember that was a scene that I thought was really disturbing. Um, so he does have this <clears throat> uh, way of showing the suffering that's, that's kind of uh, intense and upsetting uh, in a way that the Scorsese film isn't. At the same time, the Scorsese film is a little more personal with the suffering. It's more Catholic with the suffering. Um, the scene where the three men were uh, in the Scorsese film, mm-hmm. there's a character played by uh, Japanese cyberpunk director Shinya Sukamoto. And uh, he's uh, crucified in the ocean with three other guys. And that scene is played from a distance in the Shinoda film. You see it as though you're watching it from the cliffs and you see the tide roll in. Hmm. The Scorsese film, you're down there with them and you see the suffering and you're waiting for the tide to roll in and they're singing hymns. And uh, it's a much more up close and personal. Like you're getting, you you really get to know this Sukamoto character before he dies. Uh, whereas you don't really know him that well in the uh, Shinoda film. Hmm. Um, but anyway... Yeah, I think I, so. No, so I, I, I sort of FK what you're saying there. Um, you're talking about sort of kind of going how you kind of go into this film. I'm with you. Mm. I kind of go into it. You know, I'm a diehard atheist, I suppose, and I find it 
yeah, I, I find it kind of quite crazy that these people can't do simple things like tread on something or just spit on something just to stop the hideous death that's coming their way. And that's kind of, once I sort of get over that, I sort of found myself in both films having kind of like a begrudging respect for the people in it, for what they're doing, because hmm. they're not going to abandon their convictions. And, you know, it's that idea of losing God. You know, they, they can't bring themselves to do it. And it's that kind of religious, uh, kind of, it's, it's fanaticism, isn't it, I guess, in a way. But that, 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 hmm. that they're not going to let go of it. And as an atheist, you know, that's not something I can... If, if, so, if I was getting tortured and someone put a Crystal Palace badge in front of me and said, spit on it, I'd spit on it until I dehydrated. I'd be like, yeah, you know, Palace, who you? But... <laughs> that's because obviously I'm a, I'm a soulless sellout but I think with these films I mean you once you I, once you kind of tune into them and you, like I said I, there's a process I find of getting over my oh you just just get on with it you know I mean once you kind of begin to empathize with them I, that's for me when I think and on the second viewing of this film that's me I think when I began to feel a lot more for these characters and I began to kind of admire them a lot more than I had done before hmm. I think no I, I was oh, oh go no, ahead go, no go ahead Hunter I was going to say I was very interested to see um, how you would react to the suffering in the movie, Tom, because, um, you know, some people may say, like, you know, if, if it's kind of hard to understand, well, why not, you know, spit on this picture of Jesus or something? But um, <clears throat> it is it is very it's a very kind of grave sin in Christianity to apostatize, to renounce your faith. Hmm. Um and uh, it's just it. Yeah, it's it's it, for somebody who doesn't believe it's kind of hard to get into that mindset. But I think the films, I think both movies do a great job of depicting those characters in a way that it's easy for somebody who's who's not of faith to kind of get into their headspace. I think. Yeah, totally. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a debate. You know, I have uh, you know a lot of things. My, my girlfriend's a Catholic. You know, I mean, how I've ended up with a not yet divorced mother of two from Ireland who's a Catholic, I don't quite know what's gone wrong there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's no, 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 I don't mean that. But um, no, no, she's Catholic. And we have like, obviously, sort of debates, stroke, rows. And she's not a practicing Catholic at all. She barely goes to mass. You know, she's entirely skeptical. But the thing is, it, being a Catholic is a massive part of her identity. And I sort of, I sort of mm. say to her, well, you know, you don't have to be a Catholic. She says, no, but I am a Catholic. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean? Because for someone like me, it means going to church. I think it means a lot more culturally for people. And in this film, I mean, I'm sat there watching these people and I'm like, you've got no right to be there. I mean, there's actually a speech in, in the Shinoda version where from the magistrate, and I agreed with everything he said. He's like, how dare you come over here and just suddenly start trying to, change our way of life and then there's a really telling moment where um the priest he starts talking about truth and how it, it, it's if, if he doesn't come then it then it's a way of almost a way of admitting that it's not true and mm. once you mm -hmm. sort of and again I, I was sort of having this kind of the screening my, my screening of it yesterday i was picking up on that a lot more and it made me understand why he was there because mm. the reason he is there because he believes it's true and if you believe something's mm -hmm. true, you know, you, you have to, they're going, they're following through with their conviction. And there's something very admirable <clears throat> about that, despite the fact that I, you know, I, I personally don't necessarily think they should be there. But once, like I said, once I sort of tuned in onto that, the film does have a greater resonance with me. And the fact people, you know, like, like spitting on like carvings and 
spitting on the Bible, just doing, doing these these acts are. It's it's interesting as well because I'm watching it thinking the people who are making them do this. It's so tokenistic what they're being told to do. They must know that that you can just spit on it and you can just do that anyway to get out of being tortured. But it, the, the mm. whole sort of like the whole kind of hypocrisy of it all. It sort of it reminds me in a way of when you kind of hear about ISIS and things like that. You know, just this sort of these maniacs who are doing this stuff. And you don't. One of the problems is we don't. Um, people don't believe that they believe what they say they believe. So their behavior mm. seems completely irrational. Uh, oh, oh, yes, they do. And it's like, no, they really, <laughs> really, really do. And that's how I went in. That's how I began to look at this film and I began to understand it, where these people really, really do believe what they're saying and they do believe what they're yeah. doing. And yeah, mm. like I said, what you, it, that does change the way you go into the film. The act of like apostatizing, it's interestingly handled in in the film because on the one hand the authorities they kind of insist on this symbolic act of it's just a formality it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean that you're really renouncing your beliefs it's just step on this thing and we'll be done with because they they're more interested in the exercise of like political control and control Mm -hmm. over its subjects um as a as a strategy of authority i think and the like the inner spiritual life that they don't care about that more than they care about political ramifications and they seem to be unable to like comprehend that refusal for these christians is um quite a painful act uh yes it is and because it is very i think one thing that bothered me about the Scorsese version is it kind of has this Hollywood ending. The The novel ends with the voice telling him to trample and him apostatizing. Uh, this, this movie's pretty similar. It takes us a little bit after. Um, but the Scorsese version takes you to the Rodriguez character. Uh, it takes you to through his marriage and his death and then at the end, you see that he has a tiny little crucifix in his hand and there's a little light in there. And it's like, oh, he still believes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a very but, you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a stupid ending because um, uh, it is one of the the most important teachings of Jesus is that you you your Christian life is a part of who you are and it's something you are supposed to live openly. And I think that's one of the, the key teachings of his is that, you know, you, you follow me and I am with you, you know, have no fear. And, um, and so his care, like, you know, there's, there's the children's song, like, you know, you have a light, you're going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. Well, at the end, he's literally hiding his light in a bushel (laughs) in his tomb. And, uh, uh, you know, there's this moment where Jesus tells it, it appears to be telling um, the Rodriguez character to trample. It's not done in in the the Shinoda version. It's very uh, it it's it doesn't have this Deus Ex Machina moment where hmm. this voice comes out of nowhere, as I recall. Um, he sort of comes to this realization that he must trample and in the whereas Jesus seems to literally tell him to step on me and you know renounce me and 
This is my role. Hmm. Um, but I was talking to a, a literal Jesuit uh, the other day. As you do. Um, <laughs> what? As you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was asking him about that. And he said, you know, if, if a person were to come into confession and confess this sin to me and say, I apostatize, but I believe I heard Jesus speak to me. He, he would have said, that was not Jesus speaking to you. <laughs> Um, and the Jesuit order was found, as the intro monologue tells us in the film, uh, was founded by St. Ignatius of Loyola. And he wrote a book called The Spiritual Exercises. And uh, if you read The Spiritual Exercises, um, it talks about uh, the discernment of spirits and voices. And he talks about um, the... Uh, like here's here's one. It's uh, this is passage three thirty two. Um, it is characteristic of the evil angel who takes on the appearance of an angel of light to enter by going along the same way as the devout soul, and then to exit by his own way with success for himself. That is, he brings good and holy thoughts attractive to such an upright soul, and then strives little by little to get his own way by enticing the soul over to his own hidden deceits and evil intentions, and. He said that <clears throat> this priest, Father Jacob Boddicker, by the way, uh, thank you, Father Jacob. Uh, he said that the voice telling him to trample and apostatize, it seems like a short term good. Like it goes against initially what he wants to do, but it seems like a short term good. Oh, I will end the suffering of these people. But what he continues to do is to uh, he goes on in life to publicly renounce Jesus, to write books renouncing Christianity, and to uh, be complicit in the further uh, uh, repression of Christianity. So who won there? Hmm. Well, if, if according to Ignatius, according to the founder of the Jesuits, it is the evil angel. It's not Jesus. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting, um, that reading of it, uh, that he shared with me hmm. okay. so I have, I have not read the spiritual exercises but he sent he sent me the, the passages he was like check these out hmm. i think it's interesting that i think uh endo he was um he wasn't quite happy with shinoda's film uh partly oh, really? because of this uh descending um that um the voice of jesus wasn't present in the film hmm. Uh, and he felt that um, the film became a more cynical version of the story in that he seemed not to do it because of um, because Christ allowed him to, but because he was just in despair, basically. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, and the ending, I thought, was kind of strange to the... Uh, um, Shinoda film. Mm. Uh, it ends with Rodriguez like ravishing this woman mm. while Fiera mm -hmm. looks on. I thought it was a, I thought it was a very strange ending. I wasn't really sure what that was saying. If that's because uh, um, it's like a very like she's just lying there like a dead fish while he's like you know ravishing her. Yeah, yeah. Fiera is kind of looking on like good, good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> It, it did seem a bit out of place, like the, like tonally. I mean, it's obviously not the it's not a barrel of laughs anyway, but that, 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 yeah, that scene I was a bit like um, I don't really. It, it felt like 
they I don't know they, like what they wanted to do they couldn't do or something it didn't feel like it had been particularly well thought out in its context of what it was actually doing in the film and uh, yeah mm. I found it slightly jarring to be honest with you and also I found the that the makeup of um Father of Rings oh, Lord Chun, yeah. Chun Wu or something yeah yeah they had really kind of I don't know he, he looked like he was slightly ill he looks like <laughs> he looks like uh, it looks like Japanese ghoul yeah. makeup. Like he looked like a ghost in. He looked like a man who in Quaidon. He looked like the samurai yeah. in Quaidon <laughs> after he figures out that like his family's dead. Yeah, <laughs> no, I found that yeah that was a little bit kind of strange to me. But um, yeah, it, it's certainly that that ending. I, it left me a little bit stumped, to be honest with you. And I, 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 I was going to watch the Scorsese one again. Just to sort of as a prep, I don't. I, I thought you know what, three hours. I, don't. I I was too, but I just didn't have time. This yeah, <laughs> and because it, it is quite a long movie, hmm. <laughs> and uh, my 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 fiance was not uh, not wanting to sit down and watch uh, priests be tortured by the Japanese <laughs> for two and a half hours. No, it's, it's it's not. It's one of those. Isn't it? It's a Saturday night film. You should watch Guardian of the Galaxy yeah. two or Silence. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> do you know what I think we're, 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 we're with that one. But I mean. The sort of the Japanese elements of this film. There's this great bit where um, they walk past this like performance artist, um, mm. it's something like traditional clothing, like waving this massive sword around, and it's the most insane thing. It, it, it doesn't appear to have any context in the film, other than mm-hmm. um, it's crazy. It kind of, I, I don't perhaps there to kind of highlight the kind of the clash of cultures or the differences in them, but I felt with the, the um, Shinoda version that. Japan in that felt very foreign, like another planet yes. almost, as opposed to the Scorsese one, which I don't think I, I didn't get as much of that. In this one, I felt like yeah, like Japan felt like a completely different universe, almost, and it <laughs> is almost a completely different universe. I mean, if you were to compare, I think they've come from Lisbon, haven't they? I think in the in the film. Uh- Portugal. Portugal, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you were to compare those two worlds at that time, I, they, they would be extremely different places. And that's why, I mean, it's just a strange idea, like this kind of guy, it's, it felt like, and it's a kind of bad comparison, the start of Planet of the Apes, the original one, where they're walking around, like, where on earth is this? And well, obviously they're on earth, but I kind of got this sense that they had arrived in a completely different universe to the one they were from. Yeah, and plus the, I mean, just the the priests also look bizarre. Like, I mean, the Fie- the uh, Rodriguez character is extremely tall. Um, you know, they, they they you know they're just they stick out like sore thumbs in this. But uh, and I also liked how the uh, the Shinoda film uh, was. I liked how colorful it was. Uh, com- the Scorsese movies kind of drab a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, Lots of rain and mud, and whereas this one, I mean, it, the back of the Masters of Cinema box compares it to Apocalypse Now, mm. but it, it and it is kind of like you know you're going through this foreign land to find the the guy who's gone native, but it's a very colorful. Fi- I mean, it kind of remind that reminded me a little bit of you know because that's a very colorful film, and I thought you know it, that's depicting misery and death, but. Um, I liked how, you know, the sun is always shining. <laughs> it just makes it it's kind of contrasts really well with the suffering. And, you know, the the, the suffering too, like the, the people being bled from the ears in these pits moaning like zombies. Yeah, that is hideous, that bit. <laughs> really, like any time they're in the, 
the the Rodriguez is in the the prison or whatever, you just hear ooh hmm. in the distance. Yeah, I like that. I like the, the the surrealness of it as well because it doesn't sound like any humans at all. Like, no. I mean, I, I've never tortured anyone horrifically, but I, I can pretty much guarantee they wouldn't make that type of a noise. But just that that idea and the, yeah, like the, the surrealist sort of aspect of that having that noise come over the soundtrack is really is really spooky and totally hideous Mm -hmm. and that kind of it's like the torture that they've invented for them it just sounds so awful this idea you know just bleeding you through your ears or something like that and it's just like oh god you know can't you just sort of tell them to stop and deport them or something and uh the japanese with their repression of christianity were much craftier than other countries um other countries when christianity came in they went oh let's just kill the people who are (laughs) who are preaching this and uh they did that and then it just made the faith grow more you know the japanese did that initially they were they wanted they killed the padres and Mm. then they went oh wait christianity's growing let they actually said let's rethink this and so what they did was instead of going after the shepherds they went after the sheep and so they went we're gonna we're going to torture your followers until you say this is all bs that is much more horrifying hmm. <laughs> yeah, totally. um, i mean that's that's one of the, the differences i felt between the shinoda and the scorsese version it seems like scorsese he used a lot more time to build up the the context around around the film and spent more time with the villages uh, yes. I mean, the conflict between the strength of the faith and the Christian missionaries and on the other side, the brutal repression you have between these two, you have these um, ordinary, poor, hardworking people who are affected by the division and their attraction to the Christian belief, uh, which will give them rewards in the next life. We're not we're not truly sure if they are believing in Christianity as it is or if they have kind of um, created their own version of Christianity but I think that is more explored in the Scorsese version uh, which I found really interesting but I found that quite it was on the verge uh, in Shinoda but not uh, quite in the center I think um, I think you're right and this kind of gets into you know, the strengths and weaknesses of both versions, because I think both versions of the film have things to like and to dislike about them. Mm. Uh, One of the things I like about the Scorsese version is you really get to know the villagers a lot better. Mm. Um, And like, I I think my favorite performance in the the Scorsese one was from Shinya Tsukamoto, um, which I was like going, this guy who made movies like Tetsuo, the (laughs) Iron Man, (laughs) is giving this tender performances as Christian. But uh, the most interesting character to me is uh, Kichichiro. Mm, Indeed. The character, there's a character who pathologically betrays them over and over again. The Judas of the film. Yeah, he's the Judas of the film, but there's a key difference between him and Judas. And Mm. that is, uh, I was talking to Father Jacob and he said, that character is the best example of a Christian in Mm. the movie. And I was like, do tell. (laughs) And and, and, and he said, because he always 
comes back and begs for forgiveness. And he said that that is sort of a very Catholic thing. You sin and go to confession. Hmm. And he says he's always sincerely sorry. And he wants to be a good Christian. But when the rubber meets the road and his life is threatened, he just cannot be strong. He's a weak person. Hmm. And, uh, but he wants to be strong. And he's, and he also pointed out, too, that he's really the only person who gives Rodriguez the opportunity to be a priest when he is in prison. He is the only flock he can tend to. He can give him the sacrament of confession. Hmm. And uh, he was he was talking about though that that character is a very uh, Christian character because of that the sight that sin and forgiveness and he said whereas Judas uh, never came back to Jesus he never repented he simply went and you know there's several accounts of what happened but they all involve him committing suicide hmm. um, unless you're Harvey Keitel and I, I did it for you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to help you, you son of God. Okay. <laughs> no, you need. Yeah, you need Keitel in anything to to be that character. It's just it's just genius. But my other kind of, I guess my other kind of point of comparison for these two films is um, it's, it's a question of aspect ratios as well, because I oh, I yes. did fine with the silence. Having I was kind of used to the wide canvas that Scorsese paints. And you can say a lot of things about science. One thing that his film is, it is beautiful. My God, it's beautiful. Yes. It is, it's one of the, I guess it kind of gets the, the Revenant Award for naturalistic cinematography. But with this, with um, the Shinoda one, um, it, they go for an, um, an Academy aspect ratio. And at time it did feel quite a small film. And hmm. having been to Japan, that is one beautiful country and just from a kind of purely kind of aesthetic purposes i want to see as much of it as i possibly can and th- there was just a couple of times here where i felt it did feel quite limited in scope but the thing about the, that, that that aspect ratio is it does tend to make you focus a lot more on the characters and performances and getting over my andrew garfield thing i did find the performances in the shinoda version i thought were a lot better than they were in the Scorsese version, I, I, I found I don't, I don't I think it might have been through the, the, the kind of the framing of it that I was just a lot more focused on them. And I didn't sort of, my mind didn't start kind of uh, wandering to kind of just go up at the mm. beautiful uh, mist coming over the trees or something like that in the in the Scorsese hmm. version. I did I did like how uh, intimate Shinoda's movie is, um, but you know when you're outside in that beautiful japanese landscape i did find myself cr- uh longing for that wide frame yeah <laughs> yeah hmm. i had kind of the the opposite reaction where in the shinoda film i couldn't quite engage with the characters actually uh, i found it difficult especially with the rodrigo actor um even though i'm not the biggest andrew garfield film uh, i felt that he uh, did his job um quite uh, adequately um so for me, he wasn't uh, such a big problem, but I was uh, kind of flipping my way through Scorsese's version today and the beauty of that film. I mean, it certainly helps that I have a new 4K TV, but it looks absolutely stunning. Uh, and with the, the use of the mist and the rain, it feels like there's this uh, fluidity and it kind of relates back to uh, the theme of the film with uh, faith uh, as being something like something they can't quite get a grasp of, uh, which I find that the use of the fog there was quite symbolic in that respect. So, 
Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, the Rodrigo uh, character, he, he is sort of the Jesus of the film, uh, where he's he has his loyal followers, he's wandering in the Japanese wilderness, he's facing oppressive ruling government, he's walking through hostile crowds with his arms tied to a crossbeam, and in the end, he... I feel like in the Scorsese film, where he ends up still clutching to his faith, um, in the Shinoda film, he's working with Ferreira, identifying Christian objects without that sort of um, that underlying faith, at least as I could tell. Uh, and I'm, and I, I don't know what, what about you guys, how you felt about that, th- that character, how he evolved throughout the film. It, it was quite, we'd be talking about how cynical Shinoda's film was, and I feel like that is one part of the film that... It struck a weird chord with me, as we were saying, yeah. Well, I'm not sure when he's doing it, you see, because he's like, there's a cup as it goes, oh, it's not quite long enough to be a Christian mm-hmm. cup. And I'm thinking, God, this is this is religion for you. They argue about the inches <laughs> of a cup to decide whether it's religious or not. But, yeah, I, it's a strange one, because in the... Because you, 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 you never... Yeah is, yeah, is he just playing along with it? You know, is he just kind of going... Is he just sort of uh, <clears throat> towing the line, as it were? But I, I feel with the Shinodo version that... I, I pretty much believe that he had just sort of given it up and was there now as this sort of, you know, obviously to judge the religious objects committee mm. that he seems to be fronting. Yeah. And yeah, again, I found that quite disturbing in a way, or mm. quite, di- quite disappointing. Yeah, it's just depressing, isn't it? And I think that's the whole point. And it's sort of, you know, you've beaten someone down that they've managed. Yeah, he he is a character who is defeated mm. um, we completely. Talk- and I yeah. I think I think he's, he is, I think he is also... Uh, defeated in the Scorsese one. I'm just not sure the film knows it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, but, but the, I think Shinoda really understood that this character had fallen and was uh, had you know was had completely changed by the end. Hmm. But uh, the conversation between um, uh, Inoue, um, the the shogunate, uh, and um, and Rodrigo, those discussions, the, that Pontius Pilate sort of discussion is one of the most fascinating and engaging parts of the film where you have this debate between, like, um, this debate between this uh, fanatical padre versus this good-tempered, smiling official who's, in the background, we can hear, like, torture going on. And I, yeah. I find myself kind of falling for his pleasant facade and some of his arguments, but it's quite disconcerting that, in reality, he's actually having his men uh, throwing uh, the believers down the pit, basically. Yeah, yes, I mean, um, he seems quite reasonable. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, the... The Scorsese film loves to play up that dude's big smile. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, he seems quite reasonable, and you're like, well, of course they want to keep their culture and all that. But, you know, you're also reminded, as the moans remind you, that, you know, this priest is not torturing these people. He is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's, it's important to remember that because um, I think it's easy to sort of lay things at the feet of Rodriguez when in reality uh, Rodriguez is not the one who is choosing to you know torture and uh, kill people uh, 
it's the the Japanese that are doing it. But yeah, it's it's a very strong juxtaposition with this priest who's you know wide eyed and gaunt with this smiling, very seemingly soft spoken, well mannered official who who knows uh, who you know says I was taught by Padres. Yeah. You know he has a Christian education, <laughs> so he understands it quite well. Um, it, compared to others. Yeah, I mean, it's odd as this. It's like, like they said, he frames his arguments really well. There's a bit in the film, like, when he's talking about, you know, why have you come here and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he makes perfect sense to me. And mm-hmm. you're sort of thinking, oh, this, guy's, this guy, you know, he's talking about culture and hanging on to it. And, yeah, that's an argument, you know, which I, I think he has every right to raise. But, like you say, the next thing, he's like, right, okay. Um, let's just torture people through bleeding them through their ears. <laughs> like, um, uh, you know, and. and <clears throat> And again, it's like, you know, I'm sort of thinking, just deport them. Do you know what I mean? Like, take him back to the docks and say, sorry, chaps, you know, you're going back home, but not this guy, no. And, and, and not only does he want to torture them, it's also spiritual torture, isn't it? Because mm, he's going to make them give up the most important thing, the thing that literally defines them. And then he just makes them give it away, just you know, through coercion, and makes them give it up. And you're sort of thinking that's that's even more evil, perhaps, because you know these yes. people are going to have to sort of spend the rest of their lives having literally turned their back on the very thing that it was that defined it. And I think, obviously, yeah. I would take that any day over being bled to death through my ears. You know, what I mean, I I, w- I would support Brighton, and I, I can't I can't even believe you're saying it. I would become a Brighton fan. <laughs> for life if it meant not being bled to death through my teeth or whatever it is <laughs> yeah i mean I, I just sort of think you know it's and, and that is the, that, that thing the thing about science it is a film about faith and it's also a film about ultimately losing faith which is hmm. it's a it's a struggle with faith and cult the society and culture i mean i think it is very informed by the author uh endo's you know identity as a catholic and as japanese Hmm. and how that's clashed with the world around him i mean because japan is not a very christian country japan has always been very uh sure of its identity and very xenophobic towards outsiders yeah Hmm. i mean i mean in japan i mean they have japan's an incredibly hard country to move to i mean you oh yes not have i mean it's i was actually i was actually debating this with a friend the other day because we're talking about how yet this inherent awful xenophobia of the european countries uh, in in relation to the refugee crisis i said well you know why no one talks about that context in japan and they're literally don't move here we don't want you here we don't we you know yeah we don't want their policies are very strict yeah and you know it, 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 that never ever gets talked about but it, we just sort of assume because i think it's because it's japan and we just don't pay any heed and i think in a way the, the strange thing about this film is I, I think it's become more relevant it's definitely, I, I think, there's so many echoes of what's going on in the world now in this film. And that's one of the things I think it, I know it's kind of back in the kind of the public framing through the Scorsese film. But I think it's kind of due a, a reappraisal, this original version, for sure. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 you know, being in the Region 1 area, I'm still awaiting a release over here. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure why it hasn't come out. I know... Japanese studios can be very difficult to deal with when it comes to releasing stuff over here. Hmm. Um, I know, uh, you know, getting like a lot of the classic uh, Toei Yakuza movies to come over to the U.S. has been a long <laughs> process. <laughs> but, I mean, I think Battle Royale uh, 
you know, that took forever to get an official release because uh, Toei wanted like they had these insane demands for it. So I don't I don't know why the the movie hasn't come out in Region One, but I have my Region Two Masters of Cinema DVD until then. Hmm. Um, we haven't talked about the music yet, Ooh, but yes. I think the mm. the music kind of encapsulates that East meets West and how it kind of has a disjointing or disconcerting aspect to it where you have on the one side you have this baroque um baroque um genre playing and then you get these kind of trickles of the, the japanese type of uh, I, don't, I don't remember what the instrument is called but that sort of guitar thing that they are playing on uh, is incredibly disconcerting when you are when you when you suddenly are forced to listen to this sort of avant-garde picking that is uh, uh, that is trickled without the film, uh, quite haunting at times, I think. Yeah, it's the composer. It's not um, Tori, is it Tori? Toru Takemitsu yeah. from Harakiri. Yeah, he did um, the soundtrack to Ran, which is the, one of the best soundtracks on earth. And mm. yeah, I, I was totally getting that because it felt like um, it's sort of been almost badly mixed. Mm-hmm. Like it was like they. they because the music sort of competes against each other just for a tiny fraction before one, yeah. before the other kind of, it'll play like, the, I can't even remember the name of the track that's playing. I, I know I'd heard it before, but it would start playing and then you'd hear a few bars or a few notes from some more Japanese kind of traditions and it sort of like ease itself into it. And it was, yeah, it was this kind of like weird culture. It was a, it was a very audible version of the culture clash that you're seeing on the screen. But for me, it mm. totally worked. I, I, I did find it quite spooky for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hmm. Trying to figure out uh, where to go. Um, mm. Do you have any uh, themes that we haven't touched on yet, or? Uh, I guess uh, the word, the uh, title of the film, "Silence." I mm. think uh, it's interesting how the two films. Uh, throughout this discussion, we'd be talking about the two films uh, side by side almost, but I feel like mm. it quite lends itself to that, uh, seeing as we've uh, all seen uh, both versions. Um, but the silence in Shinoda's is, is absolute, basically. He, yeah. he never hears uh, Christ's voice, whereas in both the book and in Scorsese's version, the silence is then ultimately broken, which mm-hmm. I think is an interesting difference in... It goes with the thing that Shinoda's film seems more uh, more set on breaking the faith rather than portraying uh, a person that is um, sort of clinging onto it, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the silence reflects the silence of God, of Christ. Um, and I think that... Um, I think maybe that you know these characters feel i i remember uh i think my my dad was kind of bothered by parts of that with the scorsese version um he felt that like i think it's a i think it's the absence of of uh it seems like he he felt like there was a deafening he said, and I was like, well, the movie's called Silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, silence the silence of God was deafening in the film. Um, uh, I don't know. He talked, my dad was talking about the uh, the allegory of the disciple, of Jesus sleeping on the boat with the storm and the disciples panicking and 
Jesus saying like, Hey, calm down. I'm always with you, you know? And, um, Hmm. uh, you know, the, I think it was a little, I think, I think this movie is a little dark for a devout audience, you know, (laughs) um, because a lot of the, I mean, I think like, like the Catholic intellectual types I know, uh, you know, get, get some, they, they find it interesting for discussion and they think it's an interesting story, but like people who are church going, uh, people will probably find it too (laughs) intense, Hmm. but, uh, but the, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that the, the, that element of it, they, the silence of God in the story is, uh, going to be a little, harsh for a christian audience probably yeah and i think but, i think um, from a perspective as well from you know coming from an atheist but it's, it's always the default argument of atheists aren't it isn't it which is why does god let bad things happen and why no, why doesn't why doesn't you know <clears throat> where, where where's the evidence you know where's the proof why doesn't he you know why does he have to move in mysterious ways blah de, blah and i think you're right i think someone watching this film like from that perspective it validates a lot of things that atheists say which is you know I mean, it's not true. It doesn't. You know, there is no sort of divine intervention, and from that perspective, you know, from a, from a purely Christian perspective, um, you know, from a Christian perspective, I can see why, if you were a, a massive believer, you wouldn't, you would probably go, oh well, you know, that's not. It's too bleak. It's too out there, as it were. Yeah, and I, I think the Scorsese one really tries to put some redemption yeah. in there, hmm. um, but the redemption it puts in is, uh, not really redemption according to the to Chris, what Christ teaches it's still like you know a horrible it's he's still not really a Christian anymore yeah. um, because I mean just you know it's it's not a like Christianity is not like a Buddhist thing where it's finding your inner truth it's it's a very external religion hmm. and uh, it's it's you have to let people know that this is what you, you believe and uh, you know it's not a uh, and, you know, so it almost seems this very like, well, he's got his truth in his the palm of his hand. And uh, that's not really it's it, it's not as I don't think it's as it's redemptive in the way the movie thinks it is. Hmm. And uh, and I think a Christian audience understands that. I think that um, that is an aspect of the film that I didn't catch at all, because uh, for me, when I think of like faith and Christianity, I think of like internal values, and I think of uh, I don't think uh, as much of the like external properties of faith. Uh, mm-hmm. So for me, when I saw this Scorsese version, I, I was thinking more like, okay, so this is one way in which he was able to keep his faith in mm. this country that is so uh, repressive, right. But it's just I totally it, get yep. what you're saying, but uh, yeah. that was an aspect of the film that was blind to me. So mm. interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, that's um, uh, that's interesting um, uh, because yeah, I mean, it's just it's I think it's something that in our modern society, it's we don't. I think religion is a topic that is is taboo in polite company. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, you know, that might be why, you know, we kind of think of religion as, you know, we have our own truths and values, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's not really what Jesus taught. Hmm. Uh, 
uh, and you know, it was kind of it, this this mo- the the Scorsese movie actually reminded me of that in, unintentionally, because hmm. um, it's kind of easy to forget that because you know it's you don't want to talk about religion around certain company because you uh, you might offend or something. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's certainly. So, I mean, yeah. like yeah, just to echo that. I mean, it is virtually impossible at the moment. I find to have reasonable, sound discussion. Hmm about anything to do with politics or religion without it instantly turning into something quite um aggressive or and I, i've actually for my sort of last, last yearly review show on the 24 frames because i'm going to be talking about how with like film criticism i think in particular is suffering massively because of this because oh it's horrible you, you yeah. read film i read a lot of like conversations about film and it's barely not about the film it's about an agenda within the film that someone it's 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 always it's always about that with film criticism now is does this follow my agenda or not Hmm. and if it does i like it if it doesn't it sucks and that's uh that that i think is why with certain movies you see this dis this massive like if you look at rotten tomatoes you'll see like a movie has like a 90 something percent and then an extremely low audience score because the well the critics just want to know does it follow my yeah. agenda does or it not? does it does it tune into that and that like you know to go into like talk, talking about these films you know, I, I, I go in first with you know I, I guess there's a lot of weight to these films there's a lot of messages in there but even for what i don't take out of the film i take i can take other things out of it the music the aesthetics of film mm. you know the framing how the performances and all that kind of thing and that seems to be the conversation that's lo- that's losing out at the moment i mean i i, was, I read it I, I can't remember the name of her but she was a feminist critic and i was reading her review and i, I call that that very lightly of war of the planet of the apes and it was just toxic masculinity toxic masculinity toxic mm, masculinity yeah. and i'm like why aren't you talking about the film you know right you, where's the conversation about the film this isn't film it's so sh- it's taking the film and then p- p- transporting it into this rant about modern society and how this film is just about toxic males and violence and it's i'm sat there thinking okay well if that's the perspective we're talking about but this is also a film you also you know i want i want to hear about its merits as it's filmmaking yeah there's there's no discussion of the art of cinema or the craft it's just it's a toxic film therefore it shouldn't be watched and and i i I do find this like i remember i I was gonna ask someone to come and watch silence and they were like oh it's just a load of religious shit and i was like well yeah it might be but it might i mean (laughs) it might be you know it might be for all i know but even if it is I can sit there and I can watch a massive film. I mean, it was one of the, it was one of the most impressive films. I it was actually just impressive to watch it and watching <laughs> the Shinodo version as well. You know, I'm sat there watching. I'm thinking there's some great stuff in here. You know, just just from a purely yeah. filmic basis. But it just seems the conversation is moving further and further away from that. From what I think is the more interesting part of talking about films, and with this you get the best of both worlds because I think you can have a deeper conversation about what's going on in it and how it equates to people's religious state, and also hmm. obviously there's a film there to appreciate. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, Silence is a film as much about, if not more, about Christian faith as an object as it is about the the experience of that faith and like the the existential fear of the human experience which i think is quite universal whether you are of faith or not and coming to terms mm. with 
like the possible emptiness of it all. Um, which... Jesus Christ, Joachim. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been reading Kierkegaard, so, you know. <laughs> no, but I, th- I mean, like, sort of understanding how a film like Silence, which on the surface is about Christianity and Japan, but I feel like this is about much more than that. And anyone who's willing to like watch this as a film can find something that is more than just religion. It's about kind of the human experience, I think. So yeah, and it's it's an, it's also about yeah, like like you say, I think in this more bit, but you know, having like positions or views mm-hmm. that are so strong, mm. and then yeah, what would what would it take for you to change your opinion on something or mm-hmm. change your way of thinking about a certain given subject? And there are certain things where I cannot imagine changing my mind. I I'm yet to be convinced of certain things, you know. And in this film it's it's the bleakness of it, I think, is that how they give up these beliefs. Yeah. Like, I, I don't agree with their beliefs, but I agree with, with the principle of having those beliefs. I believe that it's important for you to have things in your life, you know, that you're very, you feel very strongly about. And what would it take to change your mind on a certain mm-hmm. given subject? And would, could you, could you honestly do it and pretend? Could you just one day wake up and, through various pressures, you know, dis- completely disregard what you believed the day before? And it was interesting, you know, to kind of bring it into the modern context. I was reading a, um, it was a piece written by um, someone who lived in Raqqa during. Um, ISIS when, when, when they were in charge and he, he was talking about how literally one day you had to change everything about your life you had to all these things that you used to do all these things that you used to believe you had to pretend for the sake of appearances so you didn't get killed that you believed them and he said it was soul crushing he would literally come yeah. home and you know he, he was not a devout Muslim this guy he you know he was I think he was probably he he was considered himself a Muslim, but not a Muslim of faith. And then he had to become a Muslim of faith purely so he didn't get shot at checkpoints. You know, it's kind of like a cultural Christian, a cultural Muslim. Yeah, you know, you know, he was he lived there all his life. He was just an ordinary guy, and he was saying, you know, he had to leave, and his wife didn't, you know, wear a veil and things like that. But he suddenly, you know, he was like drilling into his kids, you know, passages from the Quran. You have to repeat this if you get asked, because they would be stopped on the streets, and they would say, right, what, 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 what what's this from and if you couldn't oh man <laughs> if you couldn't answer you were shot you know and that's what how awful it was and i was reading this and you know it, it's it's shocking that i mean this kind of thing goes on in the modern world. that's what i'm talking about this film i think in a way it's got it's become relevant again hmm. to, to what's going on but yeah it's like you say i mean you could you could apply their struggle to anything you? like someone who's been a homosexual their entire life but has, is married with three kids Hmm. And, and can't can't bring themselves to to say what they are, and it happens. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It, it, it does. Ha- it it yeah. does happen. I I had a I grew up. One of my friends I grew up with, his dad just one day said, "I'm gay and I'm leaving you." Yeah, you know, just gone. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you think about like that that, that that guy. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know any about think about the circumstances by which he left. But can, right, you, can right. you imagine living your life like that, like knowing it's yeah. completely false? And you're you're literally every day you wake up you're not being who you want to be. I mean, you know, you, you, I feel desperately sorry for him. You know, you know, it must be awful to live like that. And in this film, at the end, you know, when he is sort of like head of the religious artifacts police, and you're sort of thinking, do you, you know, that's someone who's crushed. 
you know, yeah, I mean, he even looks like there's a look on his face when the magistrate, you know, they're talking about the cup and is it a Christian cup or not? And uh, uh, he says, are you sure? And he kind of looks at him like, yes, <laughs> Just, uh, you know, stop rubbing it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have I have betrayed everything yeah. I'm about. You, you smug know, like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's a decision which might end up if, if he says, yeah, it's a Christian cup, someone's going to get killed, aren't they? Presumably. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that was sort of the final uh, point I wanted to ask you is why why remake this film today? But it is, as you say, it's distinctly relevant uh, in the days yeah, we live in now. So. It, it really is. Um, and, you know, I think Scorsese mostly did a good job with it. I have problems with his version. Mm. I think both, both of the films have a lot of merit. Mm-hmm. Between the two of them. Um, there's you know there's parts of each which i really like um mm-hmm. i think I, I think shinoda version i think does it for me more than the scorsese film and that is part of my andrew garfield issue but um <laughs> although he's not as awful in that as he is in hacksaw ridge my <laughs> god now that is a, that is a shit film but um, Send your replies to Tom, please. Yeah, yeah, it's at yeah. twenty-four frames. So let's enrage that yeah. mob again because I really, <laughs> I, I really want to spend my evening being insulted in every way possible. Yeah, you, what's it, you film you, you, you pig, ignorant cunt, and I was just like, look, hang on, calm down. I'm only <laughs> saying I don't like Andrew Garfield. I know obviously he means a lot in your life. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, I've never stepped on a landmine quite like that like i've rustled jimmy's on twitter but i've never like i've i but in a like oh i disagree way i've never gotten like i've never animated someone's fan base like that (laughs) (laughs) see i've been way more active on twitter this year and it is it is lethal that place Hmm. you one retweet and oh my god you can find yourself in hot (laughs) water and i've incurred the wrath of the andrew garfield brigade and yeah. <laughs> um, Glenn Greenwald's army of Twitter followers as well turned on me. And that, that, that got really scary because someone proclaiming to be one of the most influential drummers of the 21st century, I, I'd never heard of him. Um, he started on me and then went through my Twitter feed for like two years and was like pulling out things I'd put about films and stuff. Like, you're, like, you're a fascist, you like apocalypto and mel gibson's a fascist and you're a fascist and i'm like oh my god what is this and, and and that and yeah it's it's lethal it's a really sh- so was it neil pert from rush is that oh god one of the most oh no 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 i, I can't remember yeah, his name. <laughs> i'd never heard of him so that sort of says it all right uh i think it's about time we wrap it up but um right some final words before we close this episode um i want a remaster on blu-ray Yes. because yes, that uh, yeah the... I will I will second that give me a give me a nice uh, blu-ray remaster because uh, you know it's it, it needs it yeah. <laughs> I mean the the masters of cinema one will do for now uh, but it it it's it's calling for a for a more royal treatment yes mm. I wasn't sure if the um, the tones of it, it's a very muted film yeah. and I wasn't sure because if that was how it was supposed to look. I felt this was like kind of taken from a lesser print, possibly. I don't know, but I did feel like it needs a little bit of work. If, if it is that, if, if, the, if the color tone is as what it's supposed to be, then I still think they, they can do a little bit of a Blu-ray to kind of um, yeah. just kind of 
polish things up a bit. There was a lot. Yeah. The, the, the image was a little bit fuzzy in place. I don't know if some of the opticals need to be looked at again, but there's definitely a remaster there. Um, again, it, it comes back to this. Um, the idea is anyone willing to put the time and effort into this film? You know, I I I, I would say it's a worthy contender. For and sure, you would have you would have thought with the Scorsese movie coming out that somebody would have done something with it. But mm-hmm. again, I don't know if it's if it's something with Toho or not, because mm. um, I I know they can be kind of fussy um, to deal with. Uh, just you know, some of the tribulations of the Godzilla movies coming out on yeah. video here. Mm. <laughs> well, there's hoping. So, uh, thank you both for joining me uh, this you. evening or this morning for you, Hunter. So. All right. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to come on with you guys. I always look forward to it. Great. Um, and until next time, uh, I guess uh, this is goodbye for now. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, goodbye.